This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 627 with Laurel Hanfield. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 627. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Laurel Hanfield began her writing career years ago in a small suburban town outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In college, she majored in business marketing, and after graduation, she worked in sales, marketing, and advertising. However, a trip to the Bahamas led to a shift in focus and a rediscovery of her true passion, writing. Her vacation to the islands turned into an unexpected romance when she met and fell in love with her now husband. After two years in a long-distance relationship, she decided to move to the Bahamas permanently. While life in the Bahamas was slower and more relaxed, she also discovered that her marketing career didn't hold quite as much opportunity on the islands as it did in the U.S., so she went back to creating. She wrote and ghostwrote over five full-length novels, including a fictional tale about the only black family on the Titanic. Today, Laurel creates coloring books and activity books for young girls of color. She still calls the Bahamas home and enjoys the laid-back island life with her husband, three children, and two dogs. Listen in to hear Laurel share her journey of building her self-esteem as a young black girl and then a black woman, the impact of being teased for her looks and physical attributes as a young girl, how the impact of her low self-worth led to self-harm in the form of an eating disorder, how she healed from her low self-esteem and eating disorder and recognized what an epidemic there was around the struggles she was facing, what inspired her work to create books and coloring books for young girls of color, 
how moms can affirm their daughter's worth in different ways, and her advice to moms who might want to write a book. There's some great takeaways in here on different topics. I think you're going to love hearing Laurel's story because I think parts of it will be relatable to you. And I think you're also going to walk away with some really good nuggets that you can put into action in terms of your relationship with your children and maybe even if you want to write a book. So with all that said, please help me welcome Laurel Hanfield to the Shameless Mom Academy. Laurel, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I am so excited to be here. And remind me where you are. I was going to say where you're calling in from, but remind me where you are (laughs) geographically. Right now I am in the Bahamas. That's what I thought. And so I had to ask because I just wanted to take a moment to be really jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you now? I'm in Seattle. I'm looking out a window with bare trees and a very gray sky and it might rain at any moment. (laughs) Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. I don't want to tell you what I'm looking at. at, I know. I don't even want to know. I'm already seeing it in my mind, the beach, the sun, all of it. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Sure. Well, I am a wife and a mother to three kids. And as you stated before, I live in another country and I have lived here for about 21 years. So for me, in the beginning, there was like a sense of loneliness because my family and friends were still in the States. Mm. So for many, 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 many years, everything revolved around my kids and my husband. So right now, I am really excited to be back to doing what I love to do. And that's writing. And it's just I put it on the back burner for so long to raise kids. And now that they're a little older, you know, I have a 19 year old daughter. I have two sons that are 14 and 13. So they're a little bit older right now. So I can get back to doing what I enjoy. And again, that is writing. So like this past summer, I'm so excited. I released two coloring and activity books. And this month I released my very first picture book. Oh my gosh. I love it. So all of our listeners who have like babies and like toddlers and like four-year-olds, they're just dreaming of the time when they can be like teenagers, <laughs> teenagers, go do your thing. Mama has the project. Yes. To work on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could not wait. We could not wait. I mean, I, I love them when they were younger and you get to hang out, but they were just a little too needy for me. <laughs> Like you said, it was like, just, okay, go do your own thing. And mommy's going to do her own thing and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a nine-year-old and he's like starting oh. to do a little bit of his own stuff. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> he's getting there. He's getting there. He's getting better. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, we're going to be talking about self-esteem a bit today. Mm-hmm. And you have your own journey of building your self-esteem. That's really inspired your commitment to your work. Can you tell us about what this has looked like for you, this journey of building your self-esteem over the course of your life and adulthood? Well, for me, it was difficult because, you know, I grew up in the 70s and I'm kind of dating myself here. I grew up in the 70s and 80s in the States. I grew up in the States. And as a young Black girl, I just didn't see people that looked like me. You know, I didn't see, my face wasn't represented on, you know, magazine covers and books on television that much. So as a young girl, just like anybody else, as any other young girl, you know, you want to be considered, you know, pretty and attractive. But not only was I underrepresented, many times I was flat out told that I was just 
not pretty. I was teased for my skin color. Mm. I was teased for my hair texture. I mean, it, it was so hard to deal with that because, you know, I just, I didn't have that support system that I was looking for. You know, I just, mainstream media, not only did they tell me that I wasn't beautiful, it's just, you weren't worthy either. Mm. You know, so it was just kind of difficult. And then I fell victim to low self-esteem, which culminated into an eating disorder by the time I was 13. Oh my goodness. That was a whole, oh my gosh. In high school, high school is tough enough, but when you have to add on low self-esteem and an eating disorder, and then as I was doing research about it later on, you know, I found out that this was almost the norm because 75% of girls with low self-esteem reported engaging in negative activities like cutting or um, bullying, smoking, promiscuity. For me, it was uh, my eating disorder, Mm -hmm. but it could be anything, you know? So this is not a shock at all. And it it was just Mm -hmm. difficult for me. And even as I got into my later years, you just carry that with you. You carry Mm -hmm. that with you and it, it just weighs on you. And it's just, it's very, very hard. And what I want to do is I just want to get the young girls early. I want them to know that they are worthy. Yeah, absolutely. How did you, was there resolution or how did you start healing around your self-esteem and that those feelings of not feeling worthy? And even the, what I would call the self-harm that's involved in an eating disorder. I mean, you mentioned cutting and promiscuity and like all these things, these are all forms of self-harm. So how did, was there a moment or a season when you were able to start healing? There was, Sarah. I mean, it was just, I just came to the realization that I did not want to do this anymore. And by this, I did not want to have this eating disorder weigh over me. I did not want to feel worthless. I was just tired of it. You just, you get to a point of where it's just kind of like, I want to live a better life. I want to live a happier life. So I started to kind of heal myself. I started doing the research and this is the issue. Now, how do I fix the issue? And, you know, we didn't have the resources like online resources back then. But, you know, I did a lot of research like through magazines and things like that. And I just found out that I just need to get back to my original self and who I was. And I just started, you know, just looking into how do I better myself? How do I make myself feel good? And for me, that was doing things like eating better. In my particular instance, it was eating better. It was more exercise. I was getting out there and doing things that I enjoy because I was just tired of feeling the way I did. I was tired of the low self-esteem and I just, I, I wanted to better myself. I wanted to better my life. So I just started doing some of the research, but see now a lot of times, this is me at the age of say about 16, but a lot of times, you know, young girls, I didn't have like that, you know, know-how when I was younger in my preteen years. So this is why it's like, it's imperative that you need to catch the girls as young as possible mm-hmm. to, you know, validate their self-worth, to help them validate their self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. 
on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer endocrine system disruption and liver toxicity which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special unique and important in terms of how they are able to filter water they also have water purifiers to fit every type of home so like the installation free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options they even have wi-fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options so i'm so excited about our new AquaTrue and here's the thing I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. There's a season of my life that parallels yours a little bit that I mm-hmm. wanted to share how I relate. So I come from a long history of disordered eating that looks like all sorts of different oh, things. And okay. my process of healing myself, one of the things I used to do, so you said you started reading magazines. I used to go to the bookstore to Barnes and Noble, and I would like mm-hmm. to sit in the bookstore in the self-help section. And I would read books on all sorts mm-hmm. of things on psychology and self-help and, and eating disorders mm-hmm. and also, and becoming like things around being at the time I was really working on becoming an athlete in different ways. And like, okay, but I couldn't afford to buy all the books. And so I would just go for, to like on a Wednesday night, I just go sit at Barnes and Noble for like four hours. And mm-hmm. my roommate, my roommate was like, you're just going to Barnes and Noble again. Like for four uh-huh. hours, I'm like, yep, gonna go sit at Barnes <laughs> like uh-huh. that because this was before the internet. So I was like, this is my yes. access to like to the knowledge, and I was really thirsty for it. Like, how? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Why are women doing this? I knew I was one of so, so many women. I didn't feel at all. I didn't mm-hmm. feel alone in a lot of ways because I was like, everyone around me is doing things that are kind of parallel to this self harm mm-hmm. in different ways, whether it was disordered eating or over drinking or unhealthy relationships or whatever the right. thing is. 
like all of these women struggling with worth in different ways and low self-esteem in different ways. And I was like, so curious. And so when you're like, I was reading magazines, I'm thinking like, yeah, that was me. Wednesday nights. Yeah, I was in the library. (laughs) I was sitting in my school library, just trying to, you know, sit, pick a little corner, you know, make sure there was so much shame involved with it too you know it's like just pick a little corner and then just kind of read through the books and try to find out how to help myself basically yeah and it's amazing when you start seeing yourself in those resources and then Mm -hmm. you recognize like oh my gosh there's a lot of women just like me or teenagers just like me or people like me and now that I have, like, I've gotten this information from the library or the magazines or the Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. or whatever. And then your desire to go help is like, if I can help other people solve this problem, it would be like, it would be inappropriate for me to not do that. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a title to what I was doing. I was mm. 13 years old. And I just remember, you know, eating and eating and then throwing up. I didn't even know. I don't even know yeah. where I got that idea from. I yeah. must've gotten it from someplace, but then it was only like about two years later, I see that, what is this bulimia thing? You know, and yeah. I was like, oh, you can't, is that what I have? And that's when I really started to get into research mm-hmm. and then find out basically it was due to like low self-esteem mm-hmm. and trying to control something in your life because you just feel so out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So as you worked through your struggles, mm-hmm. How, did you feel your self-esteem as you started healing? Did you, do, were you able to feel like how it was growing and able to then kind of recognize and own like that process? Yes. And no, yes. Meaning that as I started to do the research, this was in high school. I started to do the research. I started to realize what it was. I started to realize that there were plenty of young girls out there that dealt with low self-esteem the exact same way I was doing at that point. So yes, I started to raise my self-esteem. I started to get better. I started to be cognizant of what I was doing and I knew the triggers and I worked on that. But then I went off the college and that was almost like a different ball game. You know, now it's like a completely different thing. Now you're around all of this temptation. You're trying to, you know, you have the pressure of the grades. Mm -hmm. You have the pressure of looking away, of acting away, you know, and it was just so much pressure. So I kind of fell back into it again. And I just had to go back to the basics of what I had learned previously. And by now, you know, it's years later, so new information has been coming out, new self-help techniques. So I started incorporating those in my healing. But at the same time, it was just so difficult because I had been doing this for so long now. So it's just kind of, I was trying to heal, but it was taking two steps back every time I took a step forward. So that in itself was just kind of, you know, disheartening a bit. And it Mm -hmm. kind of set me back a little bit, but eventually I just kind of came around again and I just kept putting it into practice. And I had to realize that it's not a one and done thing. It's a practice that is long-term that you have to be cognizant of and you have to just keep going. Yeah. Grow. It's so interesting interesting and sometimes so frustrating that growth, whether it's as a teenager, Mm -hmm. as a young adult, as Mm -hmm. a 45 year old mom, the growth is Mm -hmm. never linear. Like, and so you, when you take those steps, you're like, I got it now. And it's like, whatever that step was two days later, it totally unravels. And you're like, Oh my God, now I have to take the step again. And maybe even a bigger one. (laughs) Right. Cause what worked for you before, right. Cause what worked for you before, it might not work for you now that you're a teenager. Now you're in your early twenties or whatever, your early thirties. It's just the process changes and you just have to kind of figure that out as you go. Yeah. And I think the context changes too. Like 
I actually was having this conversation with my therapist the other day around, <laughs> like, I felt like I had gotten to this place where I was like, I'm like really good in my relationships and boundaries, and blah, blah. And then I had mm-hmm. this like moment, this moment in a friendship where I was like, oh my gosh, this is feeling really uncomfortable or like uncharted territory. And I'm not used to having to navigate like conflict or difference of opinions or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. so when you think you like got it all dialed in and you know, all yes. your stuff and you read all the books and then like a new thing pops up or a new obstacle, which is a great opportunity for growth, but you're like, I thought I was done. <laughs> right. I I arrived, And now I'm right. again, like, okay, got to figure out how to like, you know, have positive communication again. <laughs> right. Cause you think now you're just ready to coast and say, Oh, come on, this is easy now. But like yeah. you said, then something else pops up and it's like, Oh, Okay. Now what, you know? Yep. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about why you decided to create specifically books specifically for girls of color? Oh, okay. Well, I touched upon that a little bit earlier, but when it comes to beauty standards, you know, young girls of color are the low man on the totem pole, so to speak, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, even in a majority of the countries, not even talking about the United States, but in majority of countries, it's the skin tone, darker skin tones in other countries is considered unattractive or less than. Now I grew up in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, sometimes I was teased for being black. I was teased for having coarser hair and we are in a new generation And you know what? They are still doing the same things. Young black girls are being teased for their skin color. They're being teased for their hair texture. I just felt like it's time that we recognize all standards of beauty. And I mean, all, I mean, Mm -hmm. including people of color, Mm -hmm. which all these years has not been recognized at all. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned along the way in your mission to build up self-esteem in young girls? And I'm imagining I didn't bridge the conversation very well, but what I'm looking Mm -hmm. for is as you're writing these books, I'm imagining Mm -hmm. things are coming up from your past and that's really inspiring the work. And so what have you kind of learned as part of this mission, maybe as it relates to you or as it relates to the girls that you're writing for? One thing that I've learned, and we stated before, that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm. All children are different. The only thing you can do is just kind of give them a foundation to work on. I mean, here I am. I'm at 51 years old, and I still work on a daily basis. It doesn't matter like what color you are, what race you are. It's just we are always working on ourselves. And I think it's like, Another thing I've learned is it's going to be difficult. It really is. Don't expect it to be easy. And that's okay, though. It's okay to take the two steps forward and to take the one step back. It's okay to take, you know, the three steps forward and a couple steps back. That's okay. It's just something that you just have to work through. You can do it. It's not a problem. There's several online resources that you can go through now, today. But what I've learned is that when the world is telling you that you're too fat, too skinny, too tall, too black, too white, too short, whatever, whatever the world is telling you, I would love to have the young girls know that, no, just say, no, that is not me. That is not me. I am who I am. I'm beautiful. I'm strong. I'm resilient. And it's just kind of take it from there and just be you, be you, be proud of who you are. Yeah. I love that. 
what tips do you have for moms to help build self-esteem in their daughters early on? And I will, I can tell you that I know that I've had multiple moms, uh, friends of mine who have daughters. And as they approach like the 10 to 13 age range, they think that they're like, I've done a great job. I've really built up my daughter. She's doing great. She's ready. Mm -hmm. And then like all of a sudden they'll come home and say something. And this mom is like, I thought that I had instilled this like self-love in her and self-trust in her. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is like one kid on the playground saying something. And it no longer matters what your mom said. Like your mom does not matter. Everything, all the weight goes to this like stupid kid on the playground (laughs) Uh (laughs) who's just ruined you. And then you're uh-huh. as a parent, you're like, how do I rebuild this? How do I, so what advice do you have for moms? Well, speaking of my daughter, you know, she's 19 years old. And I remember doing this years ago, just trying to affirm that, you know, she's beautiful. She's strong. And yeah, you can say that, but like you said, it just takes one child, one child to just kind of say something to them negative and they internalize that and they kind of hold on to that. And that hurts, that hurts my soul. So this is why I say that constant reaffirming, that is very important. And I don't mean, you know, telling your daughter, she's pretty, you know, every day or something like that, but reaffirming can mean telling you, you just appreciate her doing something. Now, I know sometimes moms, you know, we're quick to tell our daughters that, you know, they did this wrong, they did that wrong, you're not doing that right, or we criticize their looks sometimes. But sometimes, you know, reaffirm by taking the time to tell her what she did right. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter is 19 now, like I said, and, you know, sometimes she takes it upon herself to cook dinner for her younger brothers. And I appreciate that. And I tell her that things like that are reaffirming your child. It makes them feel good. What's also helping me is that I spend time with her and, you know, not, you know, sitting on the couch. I'm on the phone. She's on the phone. Not that. I mean, doing things together that preferably require conversation. And I know sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, conversation with my teen daughter. What am I talking about? (laughs) But, you know, I will say what has worked for me. I can only say what's worked for me. And that's, um, you know, in the mornings, like this morning, we went for a walk. We go for walks in the morning on the beach. Sorry. 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 Stop bragging. (laughs) (laughs) But we do, we go for walks on the beach and, you know, that's when she opens up to me and it's casual. It's just, you know, there's no pressure or anything like that. That's when she basically spills all the tea and I love it. You know, she tells me everything about her life. You know, I feel comfortable talking to her and it's, it's just because we're doing things enjoyable. Now we don't do that like every day, but just, carving out some time to just sit down and talk with your daughter. Things like that actually reaffirm her worth, I think. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a piggyback on that a bit. So Mm -hmm. my son, I walk my son to and from school every day and it's like four or five blocks. And I really try to make it so we don't drive. First of all, because Uh it's so close. It's a little Uh ridiculous to drive because it's so close, (laughs) but there's mornings where like we're in a hurry or it might be raining or whatever, but that what's interesting about that time and what's so valuable about that time is that it's no eye contact walking down a street and Uh he just chats. And there's mornings that I'm like, Oh, can we not talk about video games anymore? Can we not like, I'm like, this is so boring. (laughs) But it is really like he will open up about things. And so that time is really valuable. And as he's now, he's in the third grade and he's starting to ask like, well, when can I walk to school by myself? And I'm like, how do I tell him never? Because this is like the time I get the good stuff out of him. So I'm always like, I don't know. We're going to have to see. Like, I just keep putting him off because it's to your point. It's like, it's designated time where he will open up and talk. And it's not what everyone would think of when they think like, how am I going to dedicate quality time to my kid? but it's just built into our schedule so that it's happens naturally and automatically. And I don't have to say like, Hey, right. let's sit down and have a talk, which he would not want to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause when you try to, when you try to force the conversation, that's when they don't want to talk. Yeah. It like has to be like in a natural setting and just kind of, that's when they want to talk about everything. Like you said, video games, they're going to talk about, for my daughter, for me, it's like, you know, talk about boys right. and things like that. But <laughs> it's like, you cannot force the conversation. I can't stress that enough. They will not talk to you. If you try to force the conversation, conversation. They will shut down so quick. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. What is one surprising thing people would be surprised to find out about you? You know, people think I'm serious all mm. the time. They think I'm serious all the time. Like these my are serious topics. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I like to have fun too. Like I have books out there and I'm on TikTok, like, you know, other people, <laughs> you know, and my kids are embarrassed by it. They're like, oh gosh, mom, you know, but I try to keep it to like the books and things like that. But I love TikTok. I love the funny ones. I like to make funny TikToks, but my 13 year old, he has like my sense of humor and we just kind of crack jokes like back and forth. You know, when I tell people that, you know, yeah, this joke, that they do not believe me. They think that I'm just like this serious person all the time. And like you said, it's a serious topic. So maybe it's 
just that when I'm not speaking on this topic, I just like to just relax and have fun. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why my son and I, that's why we crack jokes with each other all the time. But I think that's one thing that's surprising. Like even now, I, I think, love- you know, your listeners are probably like, you know, really? She doesn't sound like. Oh, I can see. I said, I see the. I definitely. You have that energy. No way. But that's funny because I say that about myself. I was actually Uh talking about this the other day that I feel like because the work I do can be really heavy. It can be intense. Like helping Mm -hmm. people work through hard things in their life and build rebuild their identity after motherhood and really like Mm -hmm. their power and become better leaders. Like those are like big, heavy, and that can be intense stuff. Just like the work that you do around helping girls build self-esteem like that. It, there's a seriousness and a weight to that mm-hmm. that needs to be honored. And sometimes I'm like, people don't know, like on the back end of that, like how uh-huh. much I want to just like sit around and BS sometimes and people don't get to see yes. that side of me. So I totally agree with you. Like there's times when I just want to like make fun of really ridiculous things. And I'm like, no one ever gets to see that on the podcast. I like, I need a whole nother podcast. It's like, just- I know, <laughs> I know a separate podcast just for that, just right. for humor. Yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> I also, I love that you're on TikTok, which I'm scared of. <laughs> I love that oh, you're doing really? that though, because I think uh-huh. that that's like a reflection of how far you've come that you can mm-hmm. go from being this young girl who felt such like low self-worth, low self-esteem, mm-hmm. engaging in self-harm and to go from there to like define your team kids who know what's cool to be like, I don't care if I'm cool or not. Uh-huh. I'm getting on TikTok. And I'm going to live my best life on TikTok. And I don't even care uh-huh. what you to say about it. Like there's right. such juxtaposition between those two. Uh-huh. Because sometimes I just feel like my kids are like, kind of like side-eyeing me and like, oh my gosh, why is she on there? And just embarrassed by me on there. But then at the same time, you know, I surprised myself, Sarah, because I'm just like, this is something I wouldn't have done, say 10, 15 years ago. But now, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm more like, you know what? So what? Have fun. You know, I've just been through like a lot, you know, as a child and growing up and I just want to have fun. I want to show my kids how to have fun and just relax. You know, they don't have to be serious all the time. You know, you get your schoolwork done, but just relax and breathe and just have a good time sometimes. And, you know, TikTok actually does that for me. So I I don't care if I'm embarrassing them. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about writing and mm-hmm. de- deciding to write books. So I actually have a decent amount of my listeners who are interested, aspire to be writers. Mm-hmm. And some of them have already started it. I think it's a, can be a really, I think a lot of women get to a certain point in their life, life, and they recognize and own, like I've been through a lot. I have some things to say mm-hmm. about it. Uh-huh. And then it becomes this like, should I write a book someday? So can you tell us a little bit about like the process of writing a book and what any advice you have to others who like are thinking like, I think I might have a book in me. You know what I say, if you have a book in you or you feel you have an inkling that you have a book in you do it. Do it. Just write something down. Jot anything down. Because I know a lot of times you'll think like, oh, my gosh, this idea sucks. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bother with this. And, you know, but if you start writing down ideas, you know, one of those ideas that you think suck might actually turn into something. Yeah. You know, just write it down. Keep brainstorming and coming up with ideas and writing it down and then just take it one step at a time. Because one of the issues I had was that I would look at the big picture like I would come up with an idea and I would say, you know what, nobody's going to want to read this. This is a stupid idea. And so, you know, I would take it no further. But if I did that, I would never have written my first novel. You know, it's just kind of like, you just have to take that step and stop looking at the big, huge picture. 
do it. If you want to do it, do it. You know, it's just, we're not going to be here forever. So you might as well take that leap and do it. So what is your process when, because I aspire to write a book (laughs) and I have a little bit of an idea of kind of how I would start it, but I know you're, what you're not supposed to do is like open Mm -hmm. up a new word doc or Google doc and just start from zero and be like, I'm going to sit down now and try to write 300 pages or Uh 30,000 words or whatever. Do you have a process, like a preliminary process before you actually like open up that blank document to start type writing things out? Well, I know some people outline and outlines don't really help me because I end up veering. I tried that before and I ended up veering completely off of that outline. Interesting. See, I feel like I would be an outline person. (laughs) Some people, it works for some people, but what happens is I write an outline and then as I'm writing, the characters kind of become something completely different than what I thought they were going to be in chapter six. And that happens, but some people are more methodical with it and they stick to the outline. Like in chapter one, you want the character to be this. By chapter seven, you want the character to be that. And that's what they do. But I kind of like to let the characters write themselves. So, you know, it's kind of like, they were kind of leaning toward that, but then they kind of like veer off into another personality. So that does not work for me. What worked for me was, you should have a general idea. Like, for instance, I would write down the character. I would write down his personality or her personality and what I wanted to convey. And it would just be general. So when I started writing, basically what you said not to do, I would open up that document and I would just kind of write down some ideas, not the book, not the 300 page book, but it would just, but just be start a chapter. with ideas. It's like a brainstorm. Yes. You start with ideas and it would just be like the first chapter where I want Bob say, you know, to be like this um, likable yet kind of smarmy character. So I would just make sure I would convey that in the first chapter and then just kind of take it from there. But I would not, I just don't work well within outlines. Like I can't, it's too confining for me, but brainstorm on what you want your characters, just the generalization of the book, at least what you want the book to be about, which that will probably change as well as you're writing, but you need to have a general, at least at the very least, a general idea of who the characters are and what you want the story to convey. That's super helpful. And I, really appreciate the point you make about things shifting and evolving as you go. And that like Mm -hmm. for you, an outline doesn't work because of how the characters seem to take on this organic nature and kind of become, Mm -hmm. they take on this life of their own. It's interesting. I'm thinking about my podcast when I started the podcast and Mm -hmm. I had like a sense of what I wanted to talk about, but I was like, I don't totally know how I want it to like what it's going to ultimately be in the long run. Like I knew there was some basic foundational stuff that was important to me around the themes and how I wanted to support moms. Right. Um, but it's interesting when I look back, I'm like, there's definitely been an evolution in terms of like the conversations I want to have, the women that I want to support, how I want to support them, like just the voices that I want to represent and have represented yes. on the show. There's been this evolution around that for sure. And so if someone had said like, if you're going to do a 600 episode podcast over the course of six years, and what do you want that outline to look like? And how do you want it to grow? I could have Mm -hmm. never like to your point, it would have left no room for like that inspiration and evolution to happen organically. Um, Right. So I appreciate like having a little bit of a framework, having a little bit of some ideas and beginning form of a structure, but then Mm -hmm. really like feeling your way into it after a certain point. Yes. It will definitely change. Like you said, you said 600 Mm -hmm. episodes. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Wow. It will definitely change because 
the people that you speak with, the people that you talk to, they inspire you. Mm-hmm. Just like in a book, like when I write fictional characters, they inspire me. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I wanted this guy to be this type of person. But as I'm writing the book, it just kind of changed into a whole different character. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's the same thing for you as well. The people that you meet along the way of episode one. This is why I say just kind of concentrate on the first chapter, concentrate on the first episode, because then you will be led to like the next chapter or the next episode. And as you go, it just keeps leading you. You're being led constantly. Now, again, you can have the basic outline, but the details will come with each chapter or with each episode and they'll fill in themselves. Yeah. I love it. So tell us how you are currently showing up as a shameless mom. Let's see. That's a good one. I think I spent too much of my life just kind of worrying about what others say, Mm -hmm. what others think. You know, in high school, of course, you want to be in the popular group. In college, it's the same thing. In corporate, it's the same thing. When you're at work, you want to be liked among your co-workers. I think I'm done. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I love, I think I'm, I'm done. Just, Mama's tired. I'm done. <laughs> yes. Like I said, I'm 51 years old. I just can't do it anymore. It's just, it's more important for me to be happy with myself than for anybody else to be happy with me. Yeah. So like I say, you know, what you think of me now is none of my business. <laughs> you know, yeah. just whatever. I'm fine. I'll just keep it moving regardless. But it, it took me yeah. so many years to figure that out. Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel like it's every woman's journey because we're conditioned yes. to think that what everyone thinks matters so much. Yes. And then it's, it, when you get to that point, Sarah, it's just like, it's so freeing. It's like a weight off your shoulders. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm not, and again, I'm not like that. It's, it's a journey. I'm not like that all the time. Sometimes there isn't a point where I'm just kind of like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing that? But then I come back to it and I just say, you know what? Nope, nope. I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing it again. And it just feels so good. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Tell people about your books, where they can get your books, where they can find you online, all the good stuff. Okay. Well, you can find me online at www.happyislandpress.com and you can go on there and sign up for a free girl's guide. And it has free coloring pages for the young. This is for the younger girls. It has free coloring pages. Sign up for that. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook under Happy Island Press. And like I said, if you're interested in some funny videos or just <laughs> videos, on, like I, I do give author tips as well. Oh, nice. You know, and I think, you know, people find those helpful. You can find me on TikTok at Happy Island Press 1. Got it. So, oh, yes. And you can find me on Amazon. All the books are on Amazon under Happy Island Press. There's My Pretty, which is a coloring activity book. There is President for a Day. And that's my first picture book. That's out. And there's my other coloring activity book, which is called I Imagine. And they're just fun activity books just to help reaffirm your child's inner and outer beauty. I love it. Okay. So I want people to go check it out. If you have, and tell me, are your books typically for younger kids? Yes. They're for about three years old to about eight years old. Okay. So folks listening who have children in that age range can go get them. Or if you 
are need in need of gifting children. So maybe you have friends or neighbors or other people in your community that could use these books, then you can go gift them to people as well. If your children are not in that age range. So I want people to go check everything out that you just told us. I will have everything linked. So if people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Laura Hanfield, you will find links to go through to the books, to your website, to social media, to TikTok, all the good stuff. Laurel. Oh my goodness. Thank you for being here. This was a fun conversation. I have to tell you, I have to tell our listeners, you told me at the beginning that this was your third podcast interview. I would have never guessed you did a phenomenal job. This was a ton of fun and you have to come back again when you write another book and we'll talk again. Oh, I definitely will. And thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Oh, good. Good. Thank you, Laurel. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.